called Stand for the Reading of God's Word. What we are did is found in uh, Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to be reading from verse 12 through 19. Amen. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a fraud mouth. He winketh with his eyes, he speaketh with his feet, he teacheth with his fingers. Fraudness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, as so at discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seventh are the abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. He had the divided wicked imaginations, feet that swift in running to mischief. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that sheweth so it discord among brethren. Amen. This is the word of God. Praise God. Please and turn to Proverbs chapter 6. So we might ask ourselves, what is happening today? I'm sorry, Ellie's going to sing. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Ellie. No, you sang last week. That was last week. I, I still have it up on the screen. Yeah, you'll sing again. Okay. I was like, oh no, did I forget? That's something you don't want to forget. Okay. So sometimes I don't uh, update things as well as I should. So we're continuing in Proverbs today. So we might ask ourselves, what is... Is anybody supposed to sing today? Anybody else? No? Okay. What is happening today? Well, so much division. Confusion today, isn't there? Beloved, there's a culture war. That's what's happening. There's a war. It's a cultural war. So let me ask you, will you fight for God? Will you fight for God? We cannot deny the reality of this war. And we can't run from it. And we have to remember that Jesus Christ is our great commander. And He said, as they have hated Me, they will also hate you. The psalmist said in prophecy of Christ... They that hated me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who hated Jesus Christ were abundant. And that hatred of Jesus Christ and His Word has not receded. We're in a culture war. So that's what this message is about today. I'm not going to try to be controversial, but I will be. In the applications, I'm going to be straightforward. And I hope that you understand my heart that we live for Jesus Christ in these days because this culture wants to destroy our faith. They want to destroy our children. They're coming after us. And we have to be strong. And we cannot deny the reality. That's where I'm coming from you today. As we go into this passage of Scripture, we see what is happening. Just read one verse with you. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12 says, A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes, give us courage, and give us strength. We confess, Lord Jesus, that You are King of kings. And You are Lord over every human authority. We are just strangers and pilgrims here, Lord God. But we want to be right in Your sight today. And we are right through Jesus Christ. Through faith in Him. Through forgiveness. Through the shedding of blood. So give us Your grace to stand in love and speak the truth in love. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak to you today on the subject of how calamity is unleashed on culture. And it is being released, unleashed, upon our culture, our community, 
I use that word community to say it could be the community of your family, it could be the community of your church, your city, or your nation. How is calamity unleashed upon community? Well, King Ahab, as we begin today, really typifies this troublemaking man we're going to see in the book of Proverbs, King Ahab. As we see here even in this verse, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. King Ahab, we will see, typifies this troublemaking man. In this, you know Ahab, right? He was a scoundrel. He was a troublemaker. He was an idolater. The Bible says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord above all the other kings that were before him. Why? Because he influenced the people of his land to worship false gods. He led the nation away from God into idolatry. So that God brought then a judgment upon the land of drought. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And Elijah stood before the king and said, it won't rain until I say so. Elijah went in hiding. God took care of him. You know the story, right? Finally, after the three and a half years was up or so, Elijah comes before Ahab. You know what Ahab says to him? Ahab says, I know you. You're the one who's brought all the trouble to our nation. Ahab said Elijah was the one bringing the trouble. Let me tell you, that's what's going on today right there. The ones who are bringing the trouble will blame me for such a message that I'm going to share with you today. So Elijah is blamed for the drought of bringing the calamity. But Elijah doesn't bear it. Elijah turns it right back on him and he says, not me, Ahab. I'm not the troublemaker here. You are the one making trouble in the land because you have forsaken God for Baal. And that's where they had the big contest. Ahab was a troublemaker. Right next to his palace was a man named Naboth. Naboth was a God-fearing man. Naboth had a beautiful vineyard. Ahab, with covetous, even though he was the king, didn't have enough. He wanted Naboth's vineyard. Naboth refused because he says, this vineyard was part of my inheritance and it's been passed down to me and it would be wrong for me to sell it. Naboth respected the inheritance God gave to him and he was content with it. But Ahab was angry. He returned home and he had a pity party pitying upon his bed, pouting, and Jezebel looked down at him. You know, Queen Jezebel, she was just as bad as Ahab. And she looked down at him and says, what are you crying about? You're the king. He says, well, Naboth has a vineyard and he won't sell it to me. <laughs> Stop being a crybaby, she said. You're the king. I'll take care of this. I'm the queen. So she sent out letters slandering Naboth. This is what's happening today. They developed a false narrative, which was a lie about Nabal. But they were in power, so guess what? Everybody believed the false narrative, the fake news. The lie was spread that Naboth was blaspheming God and the king. And they hired men of Belial. Now, remember I just said Belial. We'll talk about it. They, they got men of Belial to spread the false narrative far and wide against Naboth. Those in power all sided with Ahab and Jezebel. Everybody turned against Naboth. He was the only righteous one in the bunch. They had him stoned. Naboth was killed. Justice was perverted. This is what's going on in Proverbs chapter 6. This is the kind of person that is being described as we're going to look at in this passage. The ones described in this passage are those who fracture and destroy the social fabric of society. The ones who do not believe on the Lord God are the ones creating the trouble and the havoc. The person described in this passage of Scripture is the person we do not want to be. It is the opposite of who Jesus Christ was. We see that they unleash calamity on culture and they will suffer that calamity as well. There are people who despise God's commands and principles. 
And the way of this man that we're going to study is popular in our world today. That's the reality. It's popular in our world. It's not popular to be a Christian. You're not going to be approved by modern-day American culture for standing in righteousness for Jesus Christ. The way of this man we're going to look at today will cancel those who do not approve of their troublemaking ways. Here is the scoundrel. Here is the troublemaker. So let us look at it today. Now, as we go into this, please take your notes. If you could open up your bulletin to page 10, and there's a list here of these two passages, of these two sections of Scripture. Basically what we have here, if we just study this just for a moment, there are two lists in these verses that were read today. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. There's two separate lists. Each list contains seven characteristics. Verses 12 through 15 describe seven aspects of a troublemaker's character and also give his destiny in verse 15. So there's seven aspects of the troublemaker's character described and his conduct in verses 12 through 15. And then verses 16 through 18 outline seven specific things about their conduct specifically that God hates. I'm sure you've heard that expression The seven hateful sins. It kind of comes from this, the seven deadly sins. It comes from this description of six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. And it's the emphasis there puts the emphasis on the seventh. So now, let's just look at these for a moment. As we look at these, these are the two lists. The troublemaker in verse 12 through 14 and what God hates in verses 16 through 19. The troublemaker walks with a froward mouth. He winks with his eyes. He speaks with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually and he sows or he lets loose or he unleashes. And this is where I get the sermon title from of unleashing calamity. This troublemaker sows or literally unleashes calamity or discourse into society. And the things that God hates about this individual, I believe he's really talking about this individual, is he has, his eyes have the look of pride, his tongue tells lies, his hands shed innocent blood, his heart schemes and plots wickedly, his feet run to mischief, his mouth bears false witness, and he sows discord among his brethren. So those are the two lists, each with seven different things. But here, now I want you to notice this for just a moment. Each of these lists reference various body parts, but place a special emphasis upon the heart. And then we see also that these lists focus us especially upon the last statement because it's the only statement in these two lists that appear twice. So let me show you what I mean. I said that these two lists feature many body parts, right? So look at the first list. It features what body parts? The mouth, his eyes, his feet, his fingers, and his heart. So in that list, what's the last body part mentioned? Because the last two points there don't have body parts. The last body part is heart. So you see, the last body part mentioned, heart, puts the emphasis upon the heart in that list. The second list has eyes, tongue, hands, heart, feet, mouth. But this is a list of seven things. And the center point of those seven is the fourth, which is what? His heart. So in this list, the heart is the center of the seven things, putting emphasis again on the heart. And what did Jesus say? Out of the heart of man proceed all these other activities and behavior and conduct that bring the wrath of God upon a person, even upon a culture. But then the second thing I want you to notice about this list as well, to emphasize, is the last statement appears in both lists. In verse 14, it says that he soweth discord. And then at the end of verse 19, it says he soweth discord 
among brethren. And the word brethren could well be family. Those that you're closest to. Those you should be loyal to. It could be a society. It could be a community of a culture. It could be in a church. It could be in a city. It could be in a nation. So, this last point, this last statement, draws together the previous ones. And again, the emphasis is placed upon the seventh thing, what God hates, when He says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven. Let me not forget that seventh one, because it's the most important one, basically is the emphasis of the writer of Proverbs. Whenever he has a list and he emphasizes, oh yes, and he adds one more, that's the one you need to pay most attention to. So this word so is very interesting because it's used in the narrative of Samson. Remember that really interesting story where he captured a bunch of foxes and he tied their tails together and then he put a torch in the middle of the foxes' tails and he let them loose and they burned up the Philistines' fields. That's the word so, to let loose. And in a sense, that's a picture to me where I see foxes being let loose, starting fires everywhere. And that's what this troublemaking rabble-rouser does in Proverbs chapter 6. It's like he is just let loose into culture to create calamity everywhere. And that's what's going on. So I want us to summarize these. The activities of these that unleashed this calamity upon culture. You know why? Because they were here in the Bible days. We talked about Ahab. We see them in other parts of the Bible. We're going to see some, we'll look at some passages today. So what we're, what we're experiencing today, it's not like God's people haven't had to deal with this. This is the way it is on this uh, uh, world under the curse of sin. We're going to be different. Be not conformed to this world is always the, the message of God's Word. So, these are the continuous activities. Look even with me. Look at that verse 14. It says, Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. You know, these people are very active. They are proactive. They are not taking a break. They are not going. They are not silent. They are not keeping what they believe at home. They're bringing it out into the marketplace. They're bringing it into the schools. They're bringing it into the business. They're bringing it into the workplace. And they're creating calamity in our land with their ungodliness. They're going to be in our midst. Don't be like them. And beware of them. Beware of them. Let Jesus Christ, He must deliver you from this foolishness. This is foolish behavior of this man that we're looking at today. And yes, we have to talk about it because their strategy brings destruction. So it's in the Word of God, so we're going to talk about it. So I want us to look at just four things here about how calamity is unleashed upon community. uh, Four different traits of this troublemaker, if you will. And the first is that they are destructive influencers. They're destructive and they influence people in that destruction. Now look at the first word that describes this person. It's a key word in the text in verse 12. It says in our King James Bible, what's the word there in verse 12? What kind of person is he? He's what? Naughty. Now my grandmother used to call me naughty. You know, Matthew, don't be naughty. You know, it's kind of, it seems like, seemed like a tame little word you use with a six-year-old, you know. But this is actually a very strong, powerful word that God uses. And it's the Hebrew word Belial. You know that word? Sometimes it just stands that way in the King James Bible. Where the sons of Belial. Belial is this word naughty. And it tells us of those who are absolutely worthless, people of no worth, and yet they keep their, they don't keep their no worthless, they, they don't keep their worthlessness to themselves. They influence others with it. They, they believe they're right. They're, they, they're, they're elite. So for an example, the first time this word is used in the Bible, and I did not know this, go to Deuteronomy chapter 13, and notice what happens the very first time this word Belial is used in the scripture. What happens? When there's, a, when there's a child of Belial, 
You know, a child of Belial develops children of Belial. (laughs) He influences others in his direction, like Ahab and Jezebel did in their land. So look what happens. Deuteronomy chapter 13, at verse 12, it says, If you shall hear say in one of thy cities, which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, saying, Certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you, and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city saying, let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. So the first thing about this children of Belial, what are they doing? They're influencing people to serve other gods, which is what Ahab and Jezebel did. So, oh, so what's going to happen next? It says, you shall inquire, you make search and ask diligently and make sure what's going on in that city. And then if that abomination is wrought among you, verse 14, look at verse 15. Then thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is therein, and the cattle thereof, and with the edge of the sword. And you shall gather all the spoil of it into the midst of the street thereof. You shall burn it with fire, burn the city with fire, and all the spoil thereof, every whit. Don't say one thing out of that city. Burn the entire city after you've destroyed all the inhabitants of it. And he says, for the Lord thy God, he says, burn, this, burn with fire the city and all the spoil thereof every whit for the Lord thy God. Do it for God's sake, he's saying here, under the law. And it shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. Now, is that strong? That's very strong. I'm not advocating we burn down Hollywood. I'm not saying go light a match to Hollywood tonight. You know, I'm not saying we do that. I'm not saying we burn anything. I'm not saying we tear anything down. We're, we're not under the law. This is what God said to do in his theocracy as he was the king over his people Israel. This is what he said. Why did God say that? Why does God deal so harshly with these men of Belial? Because they influence others to follow them. They'll destroy the whole nation soon. Burn that one city down so you don't lose every city in the land. So this is a very serious sin. Being naughty. (laughs) Naughty. Sound like a Jersey boy right there. So... The fact that they could influence the whole city to turn away from God. And then God is saying basically this city could have influenced other cities to turn away from the Lord. It shows you that these are people with power and influence. Ability to manipulate and to frame a narrative and to turn people in the direction they want them to go. So we have to take very careful heed to these things. And just think about the, the life of Jesus. When Jesus was alive, the chief priests had a narrative about Jesus. And guess what? They got the common people to believe this narrative about our Savior, Jesus Christ. What was the narrative? He is demon-possessed. That was the narrative. They repeated it everywhere they went. The chief priest. He is demon-possessed. He is a child of Belial, basically. Beelzebub comes out of, maybe you have a relationship to this Belial. And so, that, this is the narrative. This was what they lied about. And they got people to believe this to the point where they crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. So, beloved, we have to realize that these are the influential people of culture. These are the politicians, like Ahab. These are the religious leaders like the sons of Eli, who are called men of Belial. Sons, the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. You know what the sons of Eli, right? These are the teachers in our schools who are influencing your children. These are the, these are the entertainers in Hollywood who slap one another. The slap heard around the world, right? But these are powerful people. And we have to be wise as serpents to stand against it. You know about the sons of Eli, right? They're called sons of Belial. They were naughty, highly influential, sons of the high priest. You know what the, you know what the sons of Eli had authority over? The sacrifices. 
the, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. They had authority over the, that was the most prized furniture in all of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant. The sacrifices, that was at the heart of, of Israel's whole way of, of staying right with God. These sons of Belial had wormed their way into the most important place in the land. These destructive influencers. And that's how they operate. So the most wicked men were in the highest positions of power at times. And it hasn't changed. Whether it was Ahab or whether the sons of Eli, the elites in power, the chief priests in the day of Christ, as I just mentioned. And think about this. The chief priests in the day of Christ offered the people a choice. Who did Pilate want to have released? Barabbas. But the chief priests convinced the people to choose Barabbas over Jesus Christ. And he still does that. Choose Hollywood over Jesus Christ. Choose wicked immorality over Jesus Christ. Choose anything but not Jesus Christ. That's the influence that these destructive people can have. So, beloved, there are many destructive influencers in our day. It didn't happen yesterday. It's been going on for years. Think of the decline. In 1962, prayer was removed out of our schools. In 1963, Bible reading was dismantled. In 1973, the murder of babies in the womb was legalized. In 1980, the posting of the Ten Commandments was declared unconstitutional. No wonder we've had so many school shootings, by the way, where it says, Thou shalt not murder. I bet you, if they just... I'm not a betting man. But if they just put those Ten Commandments back up in the school, we'd have less murder in the schools. In 2015, marriage was redefined. And since then, really, things have gone downhill very fast. And right now, and this is the reality, some of the richest, some of the smartest, some of the most creative minds and powerful people in America, executives of some of the largest companies, have unparalleled access to the imaginations of your children and to your own imagination, for that matter. And they are in schools, they're in the movie industry, they're, they're in the, the networks, they're in Nickelodeon, and one of the great, if there's ever been in America, you know, a, a clean, family-friendly business, it's Disney, and you've heard about Disney this past week. You've, you've read, how many of you have heard about Disney and the, the controversies relating to Disney? That Disney is seeking to influence and the term is groom our children into the image of Nabal, not Jesus Christ. They're heavily influenced and in, in, uh, heavily engaged in influencing the gender identity of our children. One Disney executive said that they're going to continue adding more characters of queerness in their programming, reaching ages two to seven-year-olds. This is what your children are going to get if you plop them down in front of the TV and put on the Disney Channel. They're going to be getting many examples of characters who are asexual, bisexual, transgender. They have stated they want up to 50% of their characters in the LGBTQIA. You probably don't even know what that means. I had to look it up. They're talking language. We don't even know what it is. But it's destructive and it's to influence us away from God. It's devious. It's deviant. It's demonic. That's what's happening. And we cannot minimize it. We'd be foolish to do that. And if Disney's doing this, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> I mean, Disney, everybody's doing it. This is the way it is now. 
And you know, they say that, anonym, they say that conservative workers at Disney are just quietly sitting there watching because they've been told not to be intolerant. They've been told, leave your religion at home. You know, while, while Christians have dutifully been very tolerant, and I believe, in to- I, be- I believe in love. I don't just believe in tolerance, by the way. But that means that I stand up for Jesus. I, s- I believe in love. That means we have to stand up for Jesus, and we tell people what we believe in. We're not ashamed of it. When we do our work, we do our work. But we can let people know where we are. But here's the point. They've told Christians to just be quiet and be tolerant. And in the meanwhile, they've brought their beliefs right into the workplace. And they are promoting, they are organizing, they are infiltrating, they are seeking to completely change and influence our culture into something that it wasn't. So this is where we're at. There's destructive influences. The second thing I want us to see from this passage, a naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a froward mouth. And now verse 13 is very curious. It says, he winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teaches with his fingers. Now what is this? That sounds pretty tame. It's a curious verse, but it speaks definitely of nonverbal communication, right? Do you agree with that? It says he speaks with his, he winks with his eyes. He's trying to say something. And he speaks with his feet and with his fingers. But he's, he's communicating nonverbally. Now, in this kind of a set, setting, he's communicating to someone who knows, who, who knows what's going on. Somebody's in the know when he winks. But somebody doesn't know. Somebody's being tr- tricked by this person, right? Does that make sense? So somebody's in the know. He's like... You with me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's being duped. Guess what? We're not in the know. They don't want us in the know. Now they've let some things spill out just because it's gone. It's impossible to keep secret. We're the ones they want to dupe. We're the duped. <laughs> Beloved. These are the devious hypocrites. So this is deceptive communication. Now, Carmine and I have a long-running joke where Carmine would wink at me. And he would say, I just winked, you know. <laughs> but Carmine, it's not talk- your winking is not to what we're talking about here. You know, it's not wrong to wink at somebody. If you wink at somebody and you say hello, something like that, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about when you're trying to communicate something to one person who's on your side and you're trying to trick and dupe somebody who doesn't know what's going on. So the idea of this winking is, is these people are being pretentious in their approach. They're pretending to be honest, but they're not honest. They're devious. They're deceptive. So in other words, they will tell everyone, you Christians are so intolerant. You need to learn tolerance. And we're, we're so tolerant. Right? Oh yeah, sure. When you get the power, they will be anything but tolerant towards those who disagree with them. They will stand up and say, we believe in equity. They don't even know what it means. But we believe in equity. That sounds good, right? It means we treat everybody the same. That's not what equity is. Equity is not treating people equally when you hear that term in our culture. Equity is that you get an equal outcome. And therefore, you can have men dressed up like girls or claiming to be girls on a swim team. Those who are winkers will say, we believe in women's rights. Yeah, right. And they're allowing men to take over women's sports. Isn't that something? If I were a woman, I would stand up for your rights and say, we don't want men in taking over women's sports. Imagine when LeBron James retires from the NBA that he, not that he would do this, but what if he then, you know, transitioned to a woman and started playing in the WNBA, you know? That could happen. Anything like that could happen. And not only will men be taking over women's sports, but men will be taking women's jobs in the name of changing their gender. 
from male to female. Men will be taking women's jobs. And they already are. There was a man who now claims he's a woman who became a woman of the year. A woman didn't win woman of the year. A man to one woman of the year. That's where we're at in this culture. These are devious people who are winking at us, pretending tolerance, pretending they care about us, pretending equity. And they want to force a narrative upon us that no society can sustain. No culture can ever bear and survive going the direction we're going. Do you realize that? We're doomed as a nation if we don't repent and turn back to Jesus Christ. By the way, these are people who are very elite in their attitude. They feel like they're superior to you. They feel like they've evolved into this understanding and you're still a Cro-Magnon man, you know. They, they're very entitled to, in their power. When they don't have power, they feel that there was something wrong that they didn't win. They deserve this power. They're entitled to it in their mind. They wink with their eyes. They walk with their feet. They, they don't communicate in a straightforward fashion with us. They're liars. And that's what God hates. That's why He says it in this passage. These are the things God hates. A lying tongue. We're being lied to, beloved. By those who are leading us. We're being lied to by our media. Do not believe our media. Amen. They develop a narrative the same way Naboth and uh, they, they, they developed a narrative against Naboth. They develop a narrative the same way Ahab and Jezebel developed a narrative that Naboth was a blasphemer. Get everybody to believe it. They keep repeating that lie, repeating that lie. Naboth is evil. They stoned him. The same thing they did with Jesus. I've said it already. They developed a narrative about Jesus. That he was demon-possessed. They got the people to choose Barabbas in front of Jesus. This is what's going on today. They want us to forsake the family. They want us to give up the love between a man and a woman for all of this stuff. They want us to get away from the fact that God has made us male and female. That's what God says. They want us to believe that we are one of a hundred genders. How is a six-year-old going to figure out what gender he is if he has a hundred different to choose from? You're only going to mess that child. That's child abuse. And, this is, and they think, well, I'm the crazy one. No, I'm going to push back. No, you are. You're the troublemaker. I'm not creating trouble by saying marriage is between a man and a woman. I'm not the troublemaker. This is what God has said. They say one thing but mean another. With an elite and entitled attitude, they want to subtly, and that's not even so subtle now, enact their agenda without us being aware. The third thing is depraved hearted. Now, the word froward in this passage, sometimes these King James Bible, that, or you know, sometimes the ancient language, we, we lose the meaning of these words, so... That's why I say use your blue letter Bible, look up the words and things, because like that word naughty is a very hard word. It's this word belial, and we looked at that. Another hard word that has a very strong meaning, it says again in verse 12 that this, this person, this depraved hearted person who creates great calamity in culture, it says he walks with a froward mouth. Now, do you know what froward means? In verse number 14, he says frowardness is in his heart. So frowardness is in his mouth because it's where? It's in his heart. And so what comes out, out, what's in his heart comes out of his mouth. Now, I want to encourage you when you read your Bible, and you come to a word like that, we don't use that word. So you're not really going to know what it means. So you have to look it up. You've got to look it up if you're going to understand the Bible. So that's where you have to use, a, use some kind of a, a Bible app with a dictionary or lexicon. Look up that word and you'll find that it means deviant, depraved, immoral. It means perverse. It's a very strong word. And th this kind of a person will destroy the moral fabric of the country. That's why God is revealing this person to us. So that we'll beware of them, that we won't be like them. So that's an important word in this passage. 
And here it is again. He walks with a froward mouth. I highlighted it in red in this first list. Frowardness is in his heart. The second thing I want to highlight again from this is how the heart is featured. The heart is featured in these two lists. As I've mentioned also before, but it's worth repeating because I know I'm hitting you with a lot of different words here. But again, look at this list. And see how the heart is, is really central. And that's why I say he's, has a, he has a, a, a depraved, he's depraved hearted. Depraved being he has a froward heart, a perverse heart. And it's, it's coming out of his heart. It says frowardness is in his heart. And as we said, the word heart is the last of those body parts mentioned in that list in the first section. And the second one, the heart is in the center. It's this, the fourth one out of a seven, a list of seven. So it's, it's the centerpiece there. The heart that plots wicked imaginations and schemes. It's, God says He hates that. He hates a heart that is devising wicked imaginations. You know what they're doing today? School teachers. Getting ready to teach tomorrow. Maybe a first grade class. And there's a book out there, and there are other books like it, I'm sure. But there's a book called The Gay BCs. It's an elementary level book for children learning the alphabet. And here's how they put the letters of the alphabet. C is for coming out. D is for drag. G is for gay. I is for intersex. They're teaching kindergartners what intersex means. You don't even know what it means, probably. I had to look it up. It means somebody who's not born with, or born with both qualities, male or female. P, here's this one. P is for pan, not Peter. P is for pan. In other words, pansexual. That's one of the the genders that's out there. T is for trans. Isn't that something? They're they're teaching this to children. Now, lawn boy is for older kids. Graphic images. Genderqueer. Explicit passages. I mean... I couldn't say, I couldn't show you the pictures here. Homosexual images of teenagers with graphic language. And these are in the libraries of schools. So you've, you've probably heard of this in the news, but I'm going to tell you in case you haven't. In Florida, the governor of Florida put forth a bill that supported... The parents and the majority of the people in a state. It was duly passed through legislature, duly elected, everything up, 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 uh, done properly, legally. It was to protect the children from being sexualized by their teachers. And this was for children kindergarten to third grade. And this shouldn't even be controversial, but the bill basically said that teachers from kindergarten to third grade are not to speak to small children about their gender identity or their sexual orientation. That was, that was the, that's basically the bill. And the governor has said the bill is to empower the parents. It is the parents who have been given this responsibility to teach their children these things. But the teachers don't believe that. I heard even one teacher says, these are my kids. They're not the teacher's children. Parents have the sole right to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's why we've seen a lot of pushback in school boards because of things like this and other Marxist ideology. Parents are responsible for the medical care, the education, the mental health, the morals, the character and values of their children. It is the parents' responsibility. We cannot abdicate this to the schools, moms and dads. And maybe you need to take your kids out of the public school. A lot of people are, even even non-Christian people are. But parents have the right to guide their children in their education. So, anyway, so the, the... 
governor of Florida put forth this bill for children, again, from kindergarten to the third grade, that the teachers should not teach their kids, their children, the children about gender identity or sexual orientation. Now, when you were in kindergarten, first, second, third grade, what did you learn? I mean, we learned how to, like, make letters and one plus one, and we, we learned schoolwork. But they don't want to teach that as much today as they want to teach gender studies. And they're grooming our kids. They're trying to get converts to, to their views. So what happened after this? You, remember, you know what happened? The media gobbled onto this, and they took the side of the activists who said, the governor won't, as a, he won't let us say the word gay in school. And it became known as the don't say gay bill. And the governor rightly said the word gay wasn't even in the bill. That wasn't even a part of the discussion, whether that word can be said or not. And guess what? The media lied about it. And I've seen clips of different media hosts. Oh, the governor don't, won't let him say gay in school. Media, the media creating this narrative. The, the governor of Florida, that bigot, that bigot homophobe down there, he won't let them say the word gay in school. And they repeat this narrative. They, cre- they, they create the narrative. They're powerful. So this is what we're up against. Even Disney put out a statement. Florida's don't say gay bill, which is a lie, should never have passed and never signed into law. Our goal as a company is for this law to be repealed. So they're telling you what, what, they're up, what they want to do. So this is what we're up against, beloved. We're up against people who are seeking to unleash calamity upon our culture. How? Through destructive influence by depraved-hearted behavior, by devious, by being devious hypocrites. And lastly, by being demonic schemers. And I just kind of use that term to summarize the seventh thing God hates. If God hates it, it must be from the devil. Do <laughs> you agree with me? If, if it's not of God, it's of the devil. And here are the things God hates because these things are from the devil. And here they are, and I put it in a list like this. It says, these are the six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look. That's elitist eyes. A lying tongue. That's a treacherous tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Homicidal hands. A heart that that deviseth wicked imagination. That's a hateful heart. Feet that be swift to running to mischief. Those are foolish feet. A false witness, slandering speech. And he that soweth discord. That's the sowing of strife, unleashing all this calamity. Now, each one could be a sermon in itself. I just wanted to summarize those in that way. The beloved, there are treacherous tongues all around us speaking lies. We're constantly being lied to by our politicians, by those who are leading our educational system, by our media today. We've got to be wise. This is why we need to know the Bible. You know what? The Bible is true. The Bible is true. So in a world of lies, thank God we can go somewhere we can know the truth and let this truth set you free. I mean, it's amazing the narratives. I could give you many examples. But I won't. Of this. But the media just sets a narrative. And then everybody believes it. And it affects things. Homicidal hands. Hands that shed innocent blood. Beloved, we're, we're swimming in an ocean of blood in this country. Tens of millions of babies. Did you see this picture at the top? You know what that's a picture of? And this isn't just in America. This is in Ireland. In Ireland, these women work for a Planned Parenthood type of company that aborts babies. And outside of their clinic would be Christians holding prayer vigils and sidewalk counseling to women going in to try to convince them not to abort their children. They got a law passed that forbids it. And they came into the room, and you can see the video online, and and they were gleeful that they got this law passed that people cannot pray 
with somebody who's going to have a baby and is considering aborting it. They were rejoicing in that. And by the way, our own state rejoiced when they passed strong gay abortion legislation and they lit up the Empire State Building and such. Did you hear this one? California has a bill. It hasn't passed, but it's out there. It would allow the killing of babies up to 28 days after birth, no questions asked, if they, pa- if they pass that. So are, where did they stop with this? See, hands that shed innocent blood. And their, their feet are not stopping. Their feet run to this. They are so active. While we sit in our quiet little churches and say, oh no, what's going to happen? You know, <laughs> they're out there planning and scheming and they're, they're working to make it happen. So, beloved, let's be strong. We need revival. Be a witness for Jesus Christ. I want to just say this as I conclude today. Let's praise God for two things. Number one, praise God that these destructive troublemakers will be judged. (laughs) And they will be judged suddenly with righteous judgment by Almighty God. And I think of Ahab. The prophet Elijah told Ahab, the dogs are going to lick your blood on this very field that you stole from Naboth. And Ahab went out to a battle and he disguised himself so nobody would think he he was the king. He worked so hard to keep from anybody knowing who he was to protect himself. He just cared about himself. He wanted to protect himself. And I love the scripture. It says, a certain man, we don't know his name, there's some dude, he, just, he said, I can't, I was like me playing paintball. I mean, I, when I play paintball, I can't hit anybody. I just shoot the gun, you know, shoot it up in the air. Hopefully it'll hit somebody. I don't even think I hit anybody that way. But anyway, some guy just, he just, it says he drew a bow at a venture and whoosh, and he let it go. God directed that arrow sovereignly right through the seams of Ahab's harness splitting into his internal organs, and the blood of Ahab began to flow. And they brought him back to where he was, and his blood dripped off of his royal chariot, and the dogs licked his blood, just as God said. The sons of of Eli were also suddenly killed in a battle. So, praise God, God's going to judge these troublemakers. So don't be among them. The second thing, praise God for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was treated in this hateful fashion. And He never retaliated in any way like them. But He only retaliated and responded in absolute love and holiness, always pleasing God. Jesus Christ never had a proud look in Him. I think of Peter. When Peter denied the Lord, Jesus looked at Him with eyes of love. It says... A lying tongue. Jesus Christ never spoke a lie. He could only speak truth. Hands that shed innocent blood, the hands of Jesus Christ, only gave and gave and touched and healed. He never hurt anyone. No innocent blood was upon the hands of Jesus Christ. It says a heart that deviseth wicked... No, Jesus Christ had a holy heart, a pure heart that only sought to please God. Feet that be swift to running to mischief. No, the feet of Jesus carried the cross up a mountain to die for our sins. A false witness that spoke lies. Yes, they did to Jesus at His trial. They had false witnesses, men of Belial, speaking lies against Him. But Jesus Christ never spoke against anyone but truth. And He only seeks unity amongst His people. Thank God for Jesus Christ. And thank God for Jesus. This is exactly how they treated Him. Notice again in this list. Notice this list of the things God hates. I see the tongue. The tongue of Jesus was so dried from thirst it clave to the roof of His mouth. Hands that shed innocent blood. The hands of those men came against the most innocent of all blood. Jesus Christ, right? And slew Jesus, who was innocent blood. They they shed the blood of the innocent one, Jesus Christ. But thank God that works for our salvation, doesn't it? And feet. Thank God for 
His feet. Thank God for His hands nailed to the cross. And thank God for His heart. It says the heart here, pierced by the Roman soldier's spear. Thank God for our Savior. Thank God for His hands, His feet, and His heart so full of love to die on the cross and to shed His blood for us. Let us stand for Him. Be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And let us live for Him. And let us not be ashamed that we are His born-again people. Let's stand together as we pray. If Matthew, yes, if you could come please. Let's pray together and say thank You, Lord, for Your love for me. That though wicked hands took You and shed Your innocent blood, Hearts schemed against Jesus Christ to put Him on that cross. Their feet were swift in running to mischief to destroy Him and kill Him. False witnesses gathered around Him and spoke lies against Him. These are the things that God hates because these are the things that would lead to the, to the rejection of His only begotten Son. They looked at Him so proudly. Who, are, who, who gave you this authority? Remember they said to him, who gave you this authority? They, they had the religious credentials. They had the titles. They were chief priests and Pharisees and Sadducees. They had such a proud look when they looked at Jesus and they lied against him saying he was Beelzebub. Oh, all these things that God hates came upon Jesus. So what we're seeing today isn't anything new. But you know what? These things that God hates came upon Jesus and crucified Him, but they couldn't keep Him down. He's alive! <laughs> he's, he rose again! And He's alive in you today, beloved. So, dear friend, let's stand for the Lord. Let's realize that we have the risen Christ in us. And in just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus did for us so that we can arm ourselves with the power of the Gospel. Remember all that Jesus went through as I've just outlined for you to think about and meditate upon. See from His head, His hands, His feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love or sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? This is the world. This is the world, beloved, that we're living in. So, Father, give us wisdom to reject the lies of our culture being promoted. Help us to turn off those movies, TV shows promoting the agenda of this world that defies Your Word. Help us to be wise as we bring up our children for You, Lord. Protect our children, O God, so that they might know Your truth. Help us to vote out politicians that are promoting this ungodly agenda. Help us to be wise when we go into the voting booth to know who we're voting for and to vote people out, whether they're on school boards or city councils or other higher offices. Help people to stop attending churches that are promoting these things as well, because a lot of churches are caving in to the culture, this calamitous culture. Help us not to cave. Help us to be loving. But God, we're going to have to just say it as it is eventually. We can't nuance these things, Lord. Help us. Give us courage. Someone may lose a job, but God, we know that that job is not the source of their income. You are. And if they lose one job, you can provide another job. Lord, we pray, God, You'll raise up godly men and women to be business owners that would truly 
maintain freedom as we have been a country and a nation based on freedom. But our freedoms are being curtailed in, in this cancel-type culture that we're living in. So now give us that courage, Lord, and give us strength. How many would say, Pastor Matt, I want to live for Jesus Christ in this calamitous culture. I know that it's going to be sacrificed, but I'm willing to stand up for the gospel, stand up for my Savior, because He went to the cross for me. I will stand up for Him by, by grace. Can I see your hand? Just put it up to the Lord and just pray for courage. Pray for strength. Pray for the Spirit of God to come upon you. Pray that God will give you His wisdom to know what to say in those difficult moments where you may have to take a stand on a particular issue. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Thank you, dear church, for your love for Christ. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not a Christian, but I see what Jesus Christ went through. He came to this world with these kinds of God-haters. And the Bible actually talks about God-haters. And they hated Jesus. He came into a world where he knew they were going to hate him. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for each of us individually like there was no one else to die for. He died for you, dear friend. And you've not trusted Him. If you've not trusted Him yet today, please today call upon Him. I beg you, I beseech you, through the name of Jesus Christ, be born again today. You must be born again. You must call on the name of the Lord. You must say, Lord, save me. Or if you don't, you, if you die, you'll die and you'll be separated from God in hell forever, dear friend. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, pray for me. I need Jesus today. Anyone? Can I see your hand? So, Lord, please work now, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing one stanza. As we sing, you men, you can come. As we sing, O great God of highest heaven. <laughs>